before you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. We have a four-man booth today. My name is Andy Hayes. With me to my right is Peter Donahue. Thanks across for the, inviting me. Across the table, Jansen Miserek. And to, to my left, Pete Lineweber. Happy Guys, to be here. Good on. crew. It's on, I'm, on, I'm on baby watch. The, our second child was, um, was supposed to come in, in, you know, two days ago. But I guess the due date is not always. Is it They're not ready. They're, They're not, not ready. ready. They come when they want, I guess. Come when they want. That's right. So I'm here. I've had time to, you know, prepare, let some ideas marinate. And now I need it. You know, Just this is a, this is a special, <laughs> a special day that we kind of needed all of you here. But 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 before we get into it, what's what's going on? What any uh, any updates for you guys? Life updates? Anything here that's on your mind? Not quite as big as you, is where you're at. I mean, I'm living in the dog days of the end of winter. I suppose I'm ready for, for some golf. What about you, Pete? I'm pumped. I mean, this is the this is the time of year, isn't it? I mean, we, the times just changed, and the days are feel like they're longer, and uh, you know, spring training is going on. The Masters is coming up. We got the NCAA's. I mean, you know, every team, all of our baseball teams have a chance to go to the World Series. You know, <laughs> yeah, every every game is just like it doesn't matter if he got shelled in the inning and a third he pitched. He's just working on stuff. And uh, as for me, I'm, um, you know, I'm I'm getting healthier and stronger every day. I feel like. I feel like, you know, I'm getting input from Jansen on my physical, you know, issues that I'm recovering from. And, uh, you know, I'm swinging the club. I swung the club uh, uh, yesterday. I'm swinging at the same speed from both sides, which I think is wow, awesome. That's pretty cool. Don't ask me how fast it's going because <laughs> it's not, not that fast. But, but it's getting faster, you know, so... So at any rate, I mean, I I just I feel like I'm growing. Come on, why well, I got to echo you, Pete, because uh, at the the speed training class that we're running for our M three sixty kids, we have a big skylight in the gym. It's really cool, and and normally when we when we walk into that class, it's already dark outside because the class starts at six thirty. But two weeks ago, when the the time changed, we walked into class and it was like light and everybody's like seeing stuff in there that they've never seen before. They're like, oh my God, like it's so bright in here. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, and the sun goes down kind of as the class is finishing. It's kind of nice, but definitely a spring, spring is in the air and yeah. uh, it's encouraging, you know, to have some 50 degree temperature days and hearing some students that are already sneaking out to some courses that are maybe letting them sneak out on and it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's a great feeling of gratitude. You know, I mean, it's it's not something that you get, you know, if you're living because I lived in California, you know, and uh, you know, every day is the same day, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, and with us, I mean, Texas. <laughs> we've suffered, <laughs> yeah. you know, and now to see, you know, to to the contrast from what we've been through to what we're getting, I mean, it's just a, it's like a eight to twelve week. Orgasmic experience. <laughs> <laughs> I was in uh, in Tennessee last weekend, and the first day when we got in, there was a cold front that kind of moved through. But the first day was like sixty five and sunny and no wind. Mm. It was perfect, and we sat out on this back patio at a brewery, waiting for a couple of our other buddies to to get in. And and me and and two other guys from Chicago had traveled down, and the rest of everybody's from the south, and we're just stripping off our jackets and our hoodies, and we're like. You guys don't understand. We haven't <laughs> felt this sun on our skin, or especially my forearms, in months. And just to your point, we've suffered. We deserve this. Like, yeah. like yeah. you guys ready to go? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're staying right here as long as we can. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so I'll give you a little background before we get into our, our main topic. Um, a, few, a few months ago, I got a call from a new student who found, who found me from, from the podcast, actually. And he, his name's Tim, and he uh, 
said talked about how he was really interested really likes Bobby Jones and wanted to play golf like Bobby Jones and thought that like if Bobby Jones could play good golf with with old hickory clubs like why why couldn't why couldn't he and he wanted to learn golf um quote like in a way where he he knew that it was him making the score as opposed to a score that he quote bought in the pro shop so <laughs> i um, love this guy already <laughs> he's got an australian accent so the way he says it all even makes better. it even better yeah <laughs> and so i just knew this was going to be a good you know a good match right off the bat and so i've you know seen him a few times since then uh he's got these these hickory clubs that has been, have been like restored by you know people i guess restore them and they like reset them and and so it was really cool to first to see him hit it but then to like be able to try them out myself um because whenever i had thought about hickory clubs before it i mean we have a couple sets sitting around here and like the heads are all loose and it feels like if you were to actually hit a ball with this thing it, the head's just gonna snap off in one thing and so it's like that can't i'm not really interested in in doing that or ever playing golf like that but these clubs he's got are they're solid he can he can hit them goes a long way the irons go the same distances and so i'm like it's pretty close to to being sold you know one of the first times i see him but now uh, this week i bought my own set of hickory clubs um which i think is the next stage and i've never i've never been into into like into drugs but they talk about like gateway drugs you know and so it's like for me there's like like the half set was the gateway drug to to the persimmon which just like kind of we were going down this path of of addiction or uh you know fantasy yeah <laughs> and and so so i so jansen also got you also got a set I, as, this week as well i did i um and i pulled the trigger on buying these a lot faster than I would have. I probably in the past would have, like I did for y'all, wait for you guys to try it out and then dip your toe in the water sure. before I go. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just do it because, uh, in my opinion, I didn't think there was another opportunity that I'd be able to get the, the deal or the set that I was offered um, from one of your your students' friends. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, them. So, connection, yeah. Um, really cool guy that restores them his name is michael up in wisconsin and uh just a, a lovely guy to chat with and and sold me a set and uh it's been it's been awesome so i had my first long practice session with him yesterday and it was it was super cool and inspiring but i i agree it, it is a, a gateway into, into something i somebody saw f uh, one of my instagram stories that i posted of me just swinging one of them and he, and he messaged me and he goes is that a, is that a hickory and i was like yeah and he goes wow the usga is rolling back the golf ball and you're rolling back the whole set <laughs> i was like hell yeah brother <laughs> so if the half set brought you you guys to uh to the persimmon and then to the hickory what what's next is it using know. sand as a tee and and stuff like that or no that's uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get into it. I don't know if I can go. Yeah. What's next? Um, well, I guess that's to be, to be found out. Yeah, it's a later day. Feather golf balls. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't think so. But I, there's like those, those people make them. Get. Actually, they're like twenty dollars a ball. Get but there's there's some there's people in Iowa. It's like a couple wow. like a husband and wife who they make feathery balls. I mean, golf balls are getting closer and closer and, to twenty dollars a ball. So yeah, that might well, as well. That's yeah. true. Yeah, it's closer so, the way there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so what I what. Uh, to me, it's like it has to be somewhat comparable to what you could like otherwise do, right? Mm -hmm. I, I originally thought like a hickory like driver would go like 180 yards, mm -hmm. and it's like if that's happening, you're you're just playing a completely different game, right. like a completely different game than than yeah. everyone else. But like from hitting it, from seeing Tim hit it, it's like this can still go 250, 260 yards, which like for anyone, to, I guess unless you're playing 7,000 yards, like that's plenty of distance for any you mm -hmm. know, for any course you know par fours are you're able to get to every par four and two easily yeah. and you can get to the par fives and two or three yeah. as well so it's like okay this is cool you can but also the fact that you could swing it and have it not feel like it's going to break it's another uh cool thing that i didn't quite know about yeah. as well um so i uh jansen and i this was originally going to be a jansen jansen and andy podcast and it was going to be about it was going to be called like the half-baked idea of, of hickory golf because you know we haven't really had enough time to mm -hmm. you know to go down this route um but like talking about why we're why you're doing this one of the biggest things i think was that 
seeing that they have like tur- there's like a, a Hickory U.S. Open, and there's a Hickory like World Championship that was at like Prestwick, my favorite course this year, and. I don't think there's enough Hickory players that you have to like qualify yet. So I think you could just go, just go get into in. it. But there's like people who play who are like really like the, and the no lane up, they had a video where like the Hickory world champion like played with him. He's like this guy from Sweden who shot, shoots like un, can shoot under par with Hickory clubs. He played like D1 golf in America somewhere. So there's like actually good players who, who use right. them. Um, but that like to uh, thinking through like, based and i think i asked you guys each this question as far as like if imagine you wanted to dedicate yourself to being as good at golf as you possibly could you know given your current like work obligations and family obligations like what would be the the peak achievement and we all agreed probably be something along the lines of like making the cut at the illinois open right mm-hmm. do you still do you still agree I with still that yeah it's like okay like winning a section yeah. of winning something and know. it's just something that's like oh that's actually not that cool that's actually not that cool um or or maybe it is to certain people to to me i mean just, i think it's to, cool but like i i don't have half the time but it's but it's enough to dedicate of like, to that it's not you know? that cool of a it's not as cool of a goal where it's like i'm gonna go for this right you know whereas like the thought of um playing like playing well in the hickory u.s open or winning that would be something I, I love that it has just the weirdness of, of like not. I can, almost can't describe it. The weirdness of not like, uh, it's not having fourteen clubs. It's not right. like all the modern equipment. But like you can still like try to play like your best. Right. With it. So. And it's not unreasonable to believe that we could make a good run in that U.S. Hickory sure. Open. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that would be cooler than. Yeah, we talked about it, maybe making the cut in the Illinois Open, yeah. which is, you know, it's a good accomplishment, but doesn't, you know, you know, close your eyes at night and dream about that. Yeah. It also ties you to the, you know, to the traditions of the game and the history of the game. It's something bigger. Than, For sure. You know, just this year's event. <clears throat> you know what I mean? I mean, there's just if you if you love golf and you and you and you do appreciate the history of it, you know, you've been to Prestwick or you, your sensibilities are such that, uh, you know, when you go to a golf course and you, you see it, you appreciate its design, you know, and you appreciate the ambiance like you were just down in Tennessee and the vistas and the were spectacular. The design of the course was with the, uh, uh, uh infinity green that, disappears down a slope and back and creates a you know an excitement i mean you're you know you're discerning things at a you know you've got an aesthetic sense of this you know and to me you know i i think that that's uh that means something more to me than playing golf in palm springs sure yeah Mm -hmm. and like with other things we've liked about playing half set of clubs or like playing persimmon drivers there's not like a group of these people playing together, you know, worldwide, right? right? Like they, there are some people who like to do those things, but it's not that many of them, and there's not quite the same. It's like people who play with, you know, few like a half set of clubs. There's not like an agreed upon number of clubs you could mm-hmm. have, or whereas this is just like everyone. No, you just the shafts have to be wood, and that's that's it. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I was thinking about it, uh, you know, it's like golf related to, um, I guess one to, to like old churches versus new churches or then like old baseball stadiums versus new baseball stadiums, right? Like if you've been to like a brand new, if you've been to like a brand new church, like they're called like mega churches, it feels kind of like a, like a concert venue and there's a, there's a coffee shop and there's a food court and there's like all these different things and it feels really, really fancy and your seat is like very nice and padded and it's like, okay, that's one way to like go to a church. But then if you've been to maybe this more of these like 300 year old like Catholic churches yeah. that are just, have just been there. Like yeah, like the, Notre Dame in, in Paris or yeah, something like that. It's a little sense different of feel. Walking into that place is completely different than, right. than the modern ones. And so I think, play like something about playing these old courses but also now like playing these older clubs like has that feel to it a little bit and that's kind of drawing me to it a little De- bit definitely um, definitely when uh 
when we were hitting them yesterday and, and, and one of my students walked over, he said, wait, you can actually, you can actually hit balls with those. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. How do you think we got to where we are now? You know, sure. how do we think, how do you think we got to those irons that you just got or that driver you got? It's like, well, this is, where, this is where it started. And I think that's pretty special to pay some respect to. Right? Yeah. I think every golfer should have to swing and hit one ball with, with these things or, or the persimmon yeah. or just something, sure. something different. Right. Yeah. Oh, the driver heads have always haven't been that big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was fine. It, people still played. It's golf, okay. You know? Yeah, um, people still played and enjoyed it. Yeah, I I heard on a different podcast that they were they're talking about um, this was in, in Europe. There's like an argument of like how you would correlate your handicap with hickory clubs versus your you know your steel clubs, and they say it's the the, arg- the current argument is whether you would take your normal handicap and multiply it by 1.3 or 1.5. So if you're a 10 handicap, that would translate to a, either a 15 handicap for 1.5 or a 13 handicap for a 1.3, which is actually not that big of a difference, to, in my opinion. Um, it's probably, what, an extra stroke? Yeah, yeah. And then, one, but one then as side. you get, so then as, then as you get close, as you get even better, as you get to a 1 or a 2 or a 3 or a 4 handicap, now it's actually not even... It's it's a negligible difference in your scoring, which is a pretty interesting thought to think about. Um, and I'm excited. Well, when I was young, and, and we were going from the forged blades to the investment cast blades <clears throat> with the wider sweet spot, it was yeah. you know going literally going from the old Wilson staff or or Ben Hogan apex to the ping. And and that was that, that was the difference. The difference. I remember my buddy saying to me, who was a Wilson staff guy, "Hey, I gotta go with these pings, because, you know, it makes the difference in that mishit shot that goes in the front bunker or carries, you know, to the front edge and is on the green. It's the difference between me shooting seventy five and seventy two. And, um, you know." So it was two or three strokes, but you know that's what people are going for. You know that that's a that's a big difference for mm-hmm. for somebody. I mean, if you if you uh, you know you look at the handicap uh, system, you know that that uh, where the 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 uh, metric is for the most improved player of the year. You know, if you get down there at seventy five and you're reducing your handicap by two or three strokes, that's a big yeah. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah. So not so big from a certain way of looking at it, but it's in really the difficult world. to do. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And so <clears throat> and again, like if that's what you're going to, you maybe need all of these like little extra gains. But I think I think definitely for us, but I think more and more people that I talk to and I'm sure you guys talk to as well, like people love golf for more reasons than just like shooting a score. And but I think they've never been given a way to actually put that into practice. And so I think things like these, this give that opportunity. Um, so I, in preparation for this podcast, I was writing, uh, I was trying to like write out like, how did, how did I get to this, this point? And what came to me was like the idea of like the five stages of grief. You know, you've heard of that, like that whenever something bad happens, everyone goes through, like, it's like, uh, you know, denial and anger and acceptance is the last one. And there's two others. I'm sure you can look them up. <laughs> <laughs> Bargaining. That's four out of five. All right, it's fine. Um, and so, so I was, I was trying to think of this in a way, you know, applied to my own, you know, Pete, you're like, what's next? And, you know, our gateway, what's next in the gateway for us? And I'm not totally sure yet, but I, instead of like, so this could be like the stages of golf, uh, either like losing your mind in golf, you could describe, um, or but I changed it to the five stages of golf enlightenment. So we're going the opposite way. A little yeah. positive yeah. twist. Yeah, on a it. positive twist. And so I, I don't quite have the name for the fourth stage because I don't know if I'm quite golf enlightened yet. But you guys will be able to. So I, so I'm going to take you through my stages, and I'm kind of curious of. Uh, if you've experienced any of this and if you know how it would apply to your life or if you think maybe I'm missing the mark on some of these things. Okay. <laughs> so the first stage, the first stage is questioning. Okay. 
And the questioning comes from you start to ask questions about like about golf. What like why am I doing this? Um, is is what the way I'm doing things like is that working for me? Um, maybe there's some certain patterns of behavior. For me, like my kind of default setting was, especially in high school and into college a little bit, was like would like to buy a new cl- buy new clubs try it out it would work for a little bit and then it would like not work that well and then i'd buy a new then i would like trade it in like just like second swing was like just started so it was like they had really good prices on everything so it like worked out kind of financially you could, like trade it in get something different and then um but it's just kind of like repetitive like over and over and over um, trade in yeah sure it's kind of a stage in itself yeah. trade in stage yeah. yeah but it still is like but it's still but i'm trying to but but it came from so like that was just my pattern well, describe my like pattern of of behavior and then college like a college like i played college golf but i wasn't hadn't didn't have like good like our coach was the basketball coach i really liked him but he didn't he didn't know anything about how to practice or how to prepare or how to like really do anything that well and so what i found out was that i enjoyed the time like with my teammates like in practice and going to the events like much more than actually like playing in the in the events right and so i was like well what what is you know why am i doing this and it was kind of just like the question that came out from there um and and so like it, it kind of just like keeps spiraling into like i'm and i think we get to we get to this point of like oh i'll just try to play golf for fun or i'll i'll try these other different ways of playing golf um but it starts to me with with like asking with asking questions or with like being confronted with something that like doesn't doesn't always work for you. You guys ha- have you uh, fit that stage? Yeah. Should I do this? Should I? Should I do that? You know, sh- this that. Or of, yeah, but did you did you ever a- did you ever find a time where it was like? I mean, you must have. The way you approach golf now is like way different than when you like were trying to when you played in the, the Illinois Open. Yeah. And so like, you're currently not trying to play in the Illinois Open, but you are still like play as much golf as ever and are maybe as motivated as ever to like play good, play yeah. good golf. Yeah. But, but so like, to me, at some point, like, y- you probably thought like, oh, I'm gonna play in the Illinois Open every year. I'm gonna play in yeah. PGA section events. I'm gonna be a like a good quote good player. And then like. There's a reason that you're not doing that. Yeah, no, I think I had to ask my the the question I probably had to ask myself in within the last three or four years was like, do I really want that? Mm-hmm. You know, and and the answer was no because I realized that one, I didn't have the time, and two, I prioritized like I think my other like other relationships that I had with people than just a a deeper, probably more selfish relationship with the game of golf. Mm. Um. And like what that would have taken to get there, and and it was like, well, what's what's the payoff? You know, what's the what's the value in like being that good player? And like to me, it was like, well, I probably am going to spend all my spare time on the golf course practicing and playing and traveling and doing all that stuff and and working. You know, when I'm when I'm not doing that, and like, am I going to be able to like go meet someone? Am I going to be able to like go out and hang out with you with you guys or? Um, or, or anything else like that. And so it was like, well, that's not like very fun. You, I could start to see that lonesome ro- road of like some of what the tour guys go through, you know, or the guys that are trying to make it where they're just always on the road. They're always grinding. And it's like, it's lonely out there. You know, it's just you and maybe your caddy. Um, and so, I mean, I, I don't think my mind went there, but it was just like, no, I like, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think I want that, even though it's, it's kind of got a sparkly look to it on the surface. Um, I also think in the past though, um, questions I probably asked myself as a junior golfer was like, like, why am I not getting this as quickly as I Mm, think I should with how much effort I'm putting into this? Why is it easier for him to do that than it is for me? You know, uh, why do they hit it further than I do? Because I was always like one of the shortest hitters. Um, those are, those are some examples I think as, as a junior that I, kept asking myself and then i would just keep trying to work harder at it but i wasn't i didn't know how to work i didn't know how to work on those things so um here we are how about you guys any moments of any questioning oh for sure i mean i I think i talked about this a few shows back about when i finished my competitive career in college as a senior like 
I didn't know I golf wasn't fun anymore at that point. At least it wasn't for a little bit. And like I had to find a new something to chase after. And it took a long time to get there. And I think, you know, the half set really turned things around. Um, and then obviously, as we talked about the persimmon and working in the golf business, I had a renewed um, sense of joy that I got out of the game, which I hadn't for a few years. It was all about competing. It was all about preparing for the season. Every round I played, whether it was with, you know, my grandfather, nine hole round with my grandfather, or, you know, an 18 hole uh, qualifying round with the team, like they all meant the same. And so if you didn't play well, you, you left, you know, you left with a bad taste in your mouth, which like, that's not at all the point. And that's not at all why we play the game or why I that's not at all the, the point, I guess, is what I would say. But anyway, that was where I, the questioning stage started for me. And then it was a long, you know, five, six years, seven years to now. Um, well, we'll I get to the probably, other stages. So, I know, yeah, I know. But just, I'm just saying I've never, questions at this point, it, yeah. I've never, pro- I've probably never enjoyed golf as much as I do right now. Yeah. Cool. And I think these are good state. Like, questioning is a good, uh, Yeah. yours is a good example. Because, like, you kept, and for me, too, like, you kept asking those questions. I think some people just stop it's like, well, this isn't this isn't fun anymore. Now I'm just gonna give up, or yeah. you know, or or they don't even ask questions in the first place. And it's like, well, golf is golf's a competition. I'm gonna this is what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to win, and that's the only thing it is. Right. And they never start going to like the deeper levels. Um, Pete, how about how about you? I don't think I've ever stopped <laughs> the questioning period. That's okay. I think. Yeah. It's, well, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you it's know, fine. it's it's uh, you know it it, uh, it started. Uh, you know, with um, uh, my golf started with, uh, you know, just a, just a, as you guys, just a developing sense of, I just wanted to beat my friends, right? And then I wanted to earn my father's respect because I knew that he respected businessmen and he respected athletes. And so I thought, well, you know, I, too young and too stupid to be a businessman and uh, but I can be an athlete and uh, <clears throat> and um, and then it was you know just all the external all the extrinsic rewards that you know we go for you know it's like hey are you the are you the best guy in the league are you you know the best guy in your team are you the you know um, are you uh, gonna be a tour player you know, and uh, can you? How do you compare against Andy North? You know, who's a who's you know a D one golfer and a tour player, and uh, and uh, and if you're not as good as that, well, what good are you? You know, so um, so there was you know many many years of that of of striving you know to to get uh, earn a recognition earn a status in the community of no matter what community if you were at a golf course you know playing as an amateur or if you were a, a you know a professional playing at a club pro level or mini tour level or beyond that and uh, you know it was um, <clears throat> in my through my you know, when I when I was in college and I realized I wasn't going to be Tom Watson, I mean, it was years before I before I recovered from that. Well, what good are you? I mean, you're not going to be as good as Tom Watson, and if you're not going to be that good, then what good are you? Uh, and then I got you know, and I tried the uh, the winter mini tours, and I saw the guys that were striving for that, and I felt what it was like to strive for that, and I thought. Gee, this isn't much of a life. I mean, what's this for anyway? Because again, you know, if that's it, if that's how you're measuring yourself, it's pretty self-centered. And what good are you doing the world? Um, and so, you know, so my questions really were kind of core uh, about the worthwhileness of this exercise. Is this just an empty addiction? Am I just escaping from the responsibilities of life from, you know, but when I go out to the golf course or is this, or what is this? And, um, and I, you know, that made me sad. And then, you know, eventually I heard my uncle Joe saying, 
how's this working for you, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> and with that question, we launched into a different yeah. sphere. Different, a different, or a different stage, perhaps. Wow. Different stage. Yeah. So my thinking, after hearing you talk, I think my question, like the time that, my like questioning phase probably actually started when I, uh, like first went to Scotland and I saw that like golf was like bigger than I had thought before and that was really like the what it like, there's something more to this than I originally, kind of thought. I would say earlier in college and stuff, I like I golf was just in high school. Golf was just another sport. The same, you know, it's, there's baseball, basketball, and golf, and there's they're all in the same, the same level of. It's something fun to do, and it's you know it's better better than playing video games, right? Like fun to do with your friends and family, but it's not it's not something that you could uh, I don't know connect with on a, a deeper level or get something be, you know beyond just like winning the game out of right. And so, but like once I went to Scotland, I saw that like was a possibility. So um, stage two, and I guess I think the way that stages of grief they aren't they aren't necessarily like a linear thing i think they can happen at any time and you can like bounce back between them so there's it's okay if you're like back you're at the questioning phase still right so we're gonna yeah the same thing that's true for the stages of grief are true for the stages of golf enlightenment as well um how about that yeah come on um that gives me gives me comfort yeah stage (laughs) stage two is called the searching or the experimenting phase. So this is this is the phase or the stage that, that comes from um, y- you know, you've asked the question you've had something something in you has almost like broken open. There's a you know, a little crack and some light is shining through. And so you're not totally sure what that is yet, but you're you're experimenting. You're trying you're trying out different things. For for me it was um, was playing was playing half sets. It was that we bought that those like Bobby Jones clubs from the nineties, right? Oh, of yeah. like a little bit of an older set, but not really that old of a set. And Jansen, you and I like we split them, and so it was like yep. that was that was something that was something experiment. That was like yeah. let's try yeah. this. Then there was like you know trying like uh, mini drivers and no like not, not you know this way of seeing golf. Then there's like trying the persimmon. Um, diff- other ways of experimenting were that one summer where like. I didn't keep score like the whole year and we just played uh, like yeah. match play yeah, over yeah. and over and over. That was like, sh- maybe this is the key to my, you know, to my enlightenment. It's like not thinking about the score at all. Um, but then also other times <laughs> where it's like, okay, let's play a match and let's not think about score or let's just like, let's just go and have like a fun time with friends and we'll also play golf at the same time. So that is kind of different ways that I've gone through that, uh, you know, the experimenting, uh, or the searching, uh, um, stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in college there was a lot, I, I probably did a lot of, um, exploring or searching and it was kind of like always, Hey, what's, what's the, (laughs) Hey bro, what's the tip, you know, uh, that, to help me, you know, just hit it a little straighter, hit a little bit more of a draw. And so like, I love to practice and on the range, but a lot of my buddies would just like come straight out of school hit two balls on the range and just go play nine holes every single day. And they'd be like, come on, come on, come play. And I just like never felt like I just wanted to. I'm like, no, 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 I just, I got stuff to work on over here. I was just, I was searching, you know, different fields and whatnot. And and now um, I like to do that maybe like once a year for like a couple weeks. It's like kind of go all in on trying to find like the feel or the, the joint that I need to work on or like whatever, whatever it is. And then really it's just kind of like the last couple weeks just lock that in and then just like start to mess around with like different ideas of how to practice differently, different equipment that would like maybe make me swing with a little better tempo, you know, chipping with an orange wedge a lot, the whippy wedge, but like just, yeah, playing, I would say just playing with this equipment is like helped my ball striking a lot. And so just a little bit of a different way to, to go about searching for better contact is almost through some of these like, putting yourself in different situations with these different things of equipment like oh i i can't hit a full seven iron because i only have a six and an eight so i gotta go hard at the eight or i gotta hit a feathery six so i i don't know that would just be my take on it or just i guess some thoughts on it but um yeah i think uh i think i do less searching through mechanics now it's more searching just 
with maybe, I don't know, this sounds corny, yeah. but with my soul. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think um, so far it's been linear for me, but I'm sure it'll jump around a little bit once we get to the next stages. But the searching stage, I think, started with the the lefty swinging. Oh, you know, Pete across the table inspired me a little bit. I chose to go lefty for different reasons than I assume you did. Um, but for a little, I think it was the winter of 2021, 2020 to 2021. Um, I just started messing around a little bit with Pete's seven iron, his lefty seven iron. Um, and I found that I was actually not bad at it. I, in the times in the past where I'd swung some of my teammates' lefty clubs, I was horrible. But I, at one point, um, try, tried as a baseball player to be a switch hitter. I thought it was cool. So I was like, okay, lefty, but not, not nearly good enough to actually be a switch hitter. But I had practiced it a little bit, so I think I had, you know, the general sense of swinging a, a club um, from the other side of the ball. Um, so anyway, I just tried that out for a little bit, liked it, uh, played one time, lefty at Canal Shores, um, and that was that was really fun. I still sometimes will pick up Pete's clubs and swing them a little bit. I'll chip lefty with. Le- I have more lefty students than ever right now. I think I have like six weekly. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like I just we're on a lefty swing here, so I'll, I'll demonstrate lefty a lot still, and I, I like that. So it started with the lefty swinging half, half set was kind of around, but went full bore into that that year, um, and then obviously as we talked about into persimmon, and now I'm in the market for hickory like you two. So <laughs> we're still in the search yeah, phase. I think that will. Words. I think the yeah. the first two stages will probably last forever. Yeah. I don't know. As golf, as people in the golf business, I just envision ourselves continually questioning and searching. Yeah. I was, uh, uh, I I think that, um, I think that uh, the the second phase for me was, uh, was a, was a phase of, of uh, I don't know quite what to call it. Uh, it was, I think it was, as I've described in the past, it was stimulated by my father coming up to me uh, in, you know, in the, in the middle of a round and saying uh, and commenting, observing, and then commenting that I was moping and that, and that, uh, I should look at things from a slightly different perspective. And the way he put it was, I just want you to know that nobody out here cares about your sad story. Yeah. Was that at Pine Valley? Is yes. That, yeah. Yeah. Fourth hole. Oh. Fourth hole. And so that was kind of hurtful that no one yeah. would care about my sad story. Uh, you know, my mother, when I was yeah. younger, would have. <clears throat> and um, but in, in any case, I started to um, to to think about the game in terms of, of like uh, not letting myself be personally damaged by it, hmm. and that that um, moving towards health would be a good idea. In the process, I got mentally tougher. Because, you know, I, 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 I thought more about the slings and arrows, you know, of outrageous fortune as being uh, things that were just tests that were just like, hey, can you, like, take a punch? And, uh, you know, oh. can you keep going? Can you keep bringing it in spite of all these punches you're taking? And... Um, so it was a different, uh, my head got screwed on differently. And it also kind of coincided with me, um, you know, as I said in that story of, uh, you know, taking my camera out and, and projecting my view more out than in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, and some of that was, was like playing competitive golf and, and, you know, all of us, you know, starting really seriously and nobody saying much of anything, marking your ball, you away, you know, nice shot, 
you know, but nobody really given much. Uh, uh, and then we'd finally, you know, after we were all like shot, you know, shot ourselves <laughs> out of the tournament, and it was the 14th or 15th hole. Now we're all like jocular and yeah. you know having a great time and yeah. thinking. I mean, now we're all playing good. You know, like <laughs> wow, I wonder yeah. if there's any correlation here. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe if I brought this earlier, you know, I would play better. And um, and that really, you know, that that started started to to happen. It's like, um, you know, I mean, I started to to notice that uh, in in competitive rounds that I was the most outwardly energetic person in the beginning of the rounds, and and it helped me to absorb the blows you know uh more more so because because um somehow you know it opened the door to to uh what the buddhists would refer to as compassion it was like hey you know stuff happens and uh and you know and i had a model this guy in that uh salmon colored shirt up there the big guy holding the the other guy who looks like a you know, a fighter out of the 30s, uh, Moose and Lenny. Len, Len Kanan was one of the best golfers I ever played with. And uh, and he was, uh, he could shoot, when I was a young assistant at Ridgemore Country Club, he was a member there. And he'd come out and he'd drive the first green, which was 314 yards away with his four wood, which was made out of wood. And... Uh, and and he could shoot 65, but then he'd go out there and, you know, and he'd shoot 80, right? And he never, and he was so humble and he was so matter-of-fact about it. Oh, he'd say, oh, I was terrible today, you know, and he'd, he'd uh, you know, sit down and, you know, at the end of the rounds. And he, it never, never bothered him. And, you know, and I played with him one time at Medina number one, and I remember we were playing in a pro-am together, and he hit it into a thicket of bushes, and, and, and most people would just call it a lost ball because it was like lilac bushes all gathered together. I mean, you could barely get in there. And he not only got in there, but he actually chipped it out through a hole, and then he knocked a five-wood onto the green and made a 12-footer for a par. <laughs> And honestly, it was because of the way his mind worked, right? I mean, he was never out never of it. He was never, never damaged, never yeah. bothered. And man alive, I mean, I started taking heed of, of these examples that, uh, you know, I was getting. And, and it really helped me to get out of my head because I could now see these people, right? And now be available for the teaching that they were, that they were representing. So that was my yeah. second. Great. Yeah, I think that's a good example because the one thing with the stages of, of golf enlightenment is like they don't have to lead everyone to playing half sets or playing wooden clubs. Like I think this is like in theory a professional golfer could have gone through these these four uh these four stages of, of enlightenment. Like you're saying like your that guy there had like he showed you the, you know his exp like he showed you that you could explore, experiment or search for like this different way of seeing the game as opposed to the, the your default setting. And so yeah. I think that is, uh, you know, again, that his, uh, for you, it was like your way of, of being on the golf course. You're, you questioned, started questioning that and saw that it wasn't working for you. And then you experimented with different ways to be on the course. Right. Whereas like for us right now, it's like we're experimenting with different, maybe different ways to play the game, different tools to use. And so I think there's a lot of different ways that people, where, wherever they are, and wherever they are um, at their kind of level, it could be professional players or beginner players could still, you know, go through some of this. Definitely. This stuff. Definitely. So, um, yes, sir. All right. Stage three is called disillusionment or apathy. And I, I the, the inspiration for this one was uh, Jim Carrey has a quote and he says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Mm. And so for me, I like the summer I played my best golf and including like my best round of golf. And it wasn't like 
the answer. I, I guess I, I probably didn't go in thinking it would be the answer or like this, that like this low round would be like the path to my golf salvation or enlightenment. But, but still like it happened and it was like, Oh, it was fun. It was fun for a day. But then beyond that, it like wasn't, you know, it did the feeling didn't last. And so that's kind of how I like ended. I guess that's how I like ended the, like the golf, the golf season. Like I, I had that round went to Scotland. It was great. But then after that, I was like, well, what am I like? What's like almost what's next? Or like, what am I doing here? You know, we played, we got played fine on the staff trip. We had a really fun nine holes with Pete and Eddie. Um, the, we went, you know, we did that day to sand Valley, which was like great, but I played so like, I missed like six fairways at mammoth dunes, which has like the widest possible to do. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. But then I finished by but then I finished by by parring two holes in pitch black, you know. So it was like something yeah. about that, like that excite. Oh, could you you maybe could have played better in the dark than you could <laughs> in the light? Because like that made you like think about it in like a different way. So like that's just like the state that kind of I was in um, at that point. Um, have you guys ever? Re- maybe people haven't all reached this this stage. Have you ever? Uh, yeah. Um, that's okay. I'm just not, trying, you're I, still yeah, young. I you're don't still know. Young, you know, I don't know that I've had uh, maybe as a profound one, but I I do kind of think back to, um, and I know I talked about this experience a lot, but it's I think it was such a big bookmark in my yeah. my story of as a, as a golfer here is is um, when I did qualify for the Illinois Open uh, when I I got into a playoff with eight other guys for for two spots and some guy made like like sixty footer on a par three on the first hole and made birdie took the first spot. So now there's seven of us competing for one spot at, uh, on a 17 at Deerfield. And, uh, and I birdied the second, the second playoff hole. Um, cause I had a, I don't know, maybe a 15 footer or something like that. I was slider and I canned it. And then I had to wait for two other guys to miss. And then, uh, and then I boom, got it. And then a couple other guys had to go and, and, and do the, the alternate, you know, play one more hole oh, to see who was going to be the alternate. And that that putt in that moment with those pe- that many people watching and and everybody wanting it so much like and making that and like being the man it was like God that felt freaking good, but like that feeling quickly wore off because it was like I didn't know anybody there like the the kid that had caddied for me earlier Sam Davis caddied for me that day he had to go because we had to wait I had to wait around for the playoff mm. and uh, and like nobody that I. I cared about got to share that moment with me. It was just a bun- bunch of random people. So it's like, well, I don't want, I also don't want to go around and just keep telling that story and sound all like, you know, <laughs> yeah. cocky or yeah. whatever yeah. and be like, Oh yeah, you, this one time I was the freaking man, man. Yeah. you know, I beat, <laughs> I beat these seven guys. It's like, well, that's, that's not cool. But like, that's, it's a cool memory to share and, 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 um, harness that feeling of like, Hey, in big moments, like you could do that again. Right, you've done it once. Like, who's who's to say that you couldn't do something like that again? But I think um, sharing those experiences or, or or moments like that with people that that you care about or that you know are more important. And for me, playing competitive golf at a at a super high level is not um, doesn't offer that opportunity again necessarily. Um, does that make sense? So like. Sure. You know, my family's not always going to be there to watch every putt I make, right? Or, um, you know, shooting a great under par round with random other pros that I don't really know does not really mean that I'm going to get a lot of fulfillment out of that. And so, um, yeah, kind of getting rich quick, right? Shooting that hot Mm -hmm. round really fast Mm -hmm. um, isn't really it for me necessarily. I, I think I'd rather struggle to break 80 with... A group of people I really want to be around or at a golf course that really in- interests me to go travel for an experience you know so um, I think that's where I I'm kind of gravitating towards more cool. now but yeah. I like that Jim Carrey quote that because that's that makes you think a lot about well am I going after the right stuff here sure yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. it's cool what about you guys any any moments or seasons of apathy disillusionment yeah um tiger scandal you know (laughs) (laughs) that was i mean yeah that was tough i was a huge i still am but was a huge fan before that but anyway uh no the feeling of just like a really 
like the first time breaking 80. That was probably the best I felt about like a breaking a barrier more mm. so than, you know, under par, shooting my best round, whatever. Like this past summer, I shot my best round by like three shots. Um, and it was really fun. Played with Rob. It was a playing lesson. It was like really cool. But like, what, what now? You know, I, I it was. Do you know why? Why do you think it didn't? Because your best round was nine under, which is a lot under. And it was by <laughs> yeah. a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I. But but like, why didn't you? Why do you feel like you didn't be like, oh man, if I can do that, then I can. You know, I could win a professional tournament, not, not, not like a PGA Tour, but maybe you're getting into that. Maybe you're getting into that right now, but I'm just... Well... Because a different person could have interpreted that a different way, right? Yeah, I think I've... Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. Um, I let that dream go a long time ago, but it was a cool accomplishment. I felt, I felt good about it, but... I think what I remember most about that round was a, was a couple specific shots and those that feeling of the shot the ball in the mm. air is like what lasts and what will last not shooting 9 under mm. like that was cool like I, I I again I told my wife about it that night and I was like that was a cool feeling but other than that it was no more yeah. than just a number mm-hmm. and uh anyway so I guess that that feeling of knowing that like a round um uh, his, like a, a personal best round doesn't have a lasting power or staying power is like there's some apathy there sure yeah what about you peter you know the apathy i think um i don't know you know i i think it was about the perfect round you know i was always and that was a big deal for me i was always trying to play the perfect round uh, you know, and I mean, that, that went back to when I was very young, you know, and I've told, told you guys before, you know, if I'd start off and I'd, I'd make a big number on some hole, I, I'd quit and walk back in and start over because <laughs> there wasn't any reason to keep playing, you know, and so, um, and, you know, and I, they even carried that, you know, into college, um. You know, and and I remember, you know, when uh, going back to to Stanford, and um, you know, when I was like f- twenty years after I had gra- you know, I graduated, right? And um, and I wanted to play well there, you know, because I never had played well there, and it was like, yeah, this is going to be a, a proving round, right? And and um, and the very first thing that happened was. Um, the uh, the people that I was playing with, you know, that I got paired with, you know, I was just a single, and so oh, you can go out and play with these people that are teeing off, and they uh, they said, um, well, we're playing from the middle tees, and I thought, uh, I never made the choice to play from the middle tees, right? I had to go to the tips. I needed to play with one foot in the rough in order to prove to myself, you know, to set up this ultimate test. And uh, and so so I was like torn. <laughs> and uh, for a minute, I said, no, I'll play with you, you know, because you're playing golf with other people. Playing golf with other people. And... Um, uh, and I mean, it was a very adventurous, adventurous round, and it was a it was one of the greatest rounds I ever played, uh, and uh, and miracles happened <laughs> out there, uh, and and I was reliving the same story in the middle of the round that I'd always lived, you know, when I played out there. I got to the tenth hole, I started leaking oil, you know. I got to the eleventh hole where I, sh- you know. Three putted that. Then I got to the twelfth hole, which was four hundred and eighty yard par four, which I, I I don't think I'd ever made a bogey on the hole. It had always been <laughs> doubles and triples. And uh, you know, I rip a three wood out of the rough, knock it on the green, and then make a thirty footer for three. And then I chip it in for three on the next hole. And uh, and you know, proving that it doesn't matter where you play from. 
it's the same. It's the course between your ears, yeah. you know. And um, but it was the it was at that that began an era of my life where I started to play more creative golf. You know, I started to become a a, a shaper of the ball. You know, I'd always been the search for the perfect swing, and uh, and now I was just curving the ball and hitting it high and hitting it low, and uh, and that was the big deal about that round was that I was so so gratified at how creatively I was approaching the golf course, and uh, uh, and so when I was done with the round, you know, it was I'd shot. 75 you know it was like what's that to write home about but for me it was all about these meeting these moments around the golf course and and treating the round and making mature decisions instead of this childish shit that I was you know always playing with uh so I got apathetic about my perfectionism and my childishness yeah cool at the final stage is I came up with the title during during this episode is called Golf as a Practice. It's how fitting. Wow. The Golf Practice Podcast. Golf as a practice. And so in the I've got lots of lots of notes in this, but it's something about like the kind of like our default it's like you know your default setting of like golf is I mean we've all shared like golf's a competition. Golf is something to win. Like golf is something to be perfect at. Like once you figure out that that doesn't work, like what's left and like, what are you still like, what are you still going for? Um, and so like, for me, it's like ways to, um, to face yourself, to connect with yourself, to connect with other people, to, um, to have like miracles happen, things that you can't explain. Like there's so many different things to it. Like in addition to it being like competition, I think competition is still, is still part of it. I hear some people online who are like, they're playing like, like a half set of clubs with like a hybrid and a pitching wedge and a putter. And it's like simplicity is the game for me or something. It's like, <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not trying, like you're, you're placing like such severe limitations on yourself that like, it's almost like, cause I went down this road of like, let's just go with as few things as possible. And then I almost have like a built in excuse for like shooting a bad, shooting a bad yeah. score. But so I think there's gotta be something to it. Like you're still trying to, play you're still trying to like accomplish or achieve something but like can you do it with the acknowledgement of like all of these other that all these other things are a part of it and so for me the idea of like half a set or like to me why hickory clubs like almost falls in this category is that it's like it's a it's a reminder of that there's like so much more to this than just like competing or like mm -hmm. trying to win because like that's just where it's even if you can just even if you're like oh i don't care about i don't care about my score like you still people still do you know you like for sure oh i don't care about my score today but then it's like well what'd you sh like what did you think like they know the number right away you know mm -hmm. like even if it's like it's just a thing and so it's like it's like the it's like a I, I wrote down like liturgical practice like like liturgy is like a very like church like catholic word like church word of like the practice the practice of one of the things that i i like still appreciate even though I don't do this, but I appreciate of like the practice of like going to church, like every, every week that, that like pattern gets, gets in you of like, there's a way there's like the things that the world says are important and that you think are important, like, you know, making money coming out on top. But then you have this like one day where you're just like reminded that like, that's not all there is. That's not all there mm -hmm. is to it. And so like, to me, like a half set is a version of that, of like, you're just reminded that like, I'm not going for like the perfect bag or like the perfect swing or the perfect shot. So I'm not going to be able to. And so like, I think the old clubs is like a similar in a similar, you know, bowl as that as well. So, um, yeah, I don't, do you guys have any, any comments on that? I, I know it's kind of a big one, but yeah, I got to let that digest for a second. Pete, you got anything? Well, you know, um, I would say that uh, that coming at the game from different points of view is uh, I think that's that's a, a metaphor for you know how for how, a good way to live life 
because you know the the someone said once the fastest way to change anything is to change the way you're looking at it you know and and it benefits us to uh in our development of ourselves and our personal evolution to to come at things from a different angle I mean, in golf, as a for instance, I mean, you when you grasp a club and you've got it in two hands, you know, you can use either hand as the fulcrum and either hand as the driver, right? Okay, yes. And, and you can think of things, you can produce power in the golf swing by making a big backswing and then throwing it or making a whip it back there and turn through it and hurl it through with a with a turn action right and 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 uh and you can you know as you and i were just discussing earlier in the day we're we're like bookends you know you're tall and and vertical and i'm you know deep and around and flat and i'm even you know i'm even three-dimensionally laid off and all kinds of things, and and so, and and I think approaching things like this and that, you know, as you did the other day with your student, and you have done like do this, then do that, do this, then do that, you know, so that you you're able to start to grow in your awareness and your in your physical capability of doing it this way and doing it that way. You know, that book that I gave you, uh, you know, a Feldenkrais book, Feldenkrais said, listen, it benefits you to be able to do something very familiar to you in more than one way. Because it, at, its, at its root, it gives you a freedom. Because if you only do things the way you do them, then your only choice is to act or not act. But when you can do that, that thing and you can do it differently, well, now you, at your core, you have a, a, you have a freedom and a creativity uh, that's in you. And I think that that, uh, that is uh, the best way to grow yourself. Yeah, cool. All right. Got anything, Jansen? Uh, I, I honestly I don't know if I have much more to add, but um, but I do think that uh, looking in inward and, and going deep within yourself is a is a great way to progress as a as a human. You know, whatever you're working on, and so I think using golf as that practice, or using um, yeah, using whatever you want to help you practice is is fantastic. But I think. Uh, I like what I like what you said, Andy. Of like keeping keeping like whatever you feel like you're working on at the forefront, like in like, but still kind of questioning that at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think is is a good thing to to do. And I kind of like these these stages because you can cycle yeah. through them at mm-hmm. any time that you kind of want, or really like whenever you kind of got that itch of like. Ooh, I just had a question pop in my brain. It's like that's sure. it's okay. Like yeah. go go through that stage. That's fine to do that whenever you want at any moment. And uh, oh, well now I'm now I'm searching because I have what I feel like might be the answer to to that itch I'm trying to scratch a little bit. And yeah. um, and I think it, it it evolves as we're sharing stories and and uh, evolving what our stages are. You know, yeah. If we had had this podcast four years ago, it'd be. I'd be saying really different oh. stuff. <laughs> Wouldn't even be asking, have been asking these questions in the first place. Yeah. yeah four years ago. So yeah. uh, we'd be talking about our, uh, our Callaway staff deals probably. Oh. And what our <laughs> equipment, equipment should man. be. New yeah. equipment. Well, uh, to go kind of back to what you were saying just real quick and we'll, I know yeah. we'll wrap up, but like when we got those Callaway staff deals and like kind of got fit for the first time yeah. and I'm, like hit the ball really good. I'm like, you thought I was on top of the world, and yeah, then like unlock these things. I'm gonna go play in these tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> and tear it up, yeah. and it, yeah, just short lived, short lived. Um, yeah, and so, but I still, so I still think there needs. It's hard to find, uh, the ba- or for me, it's been hard to find the balance of, again, like 
we could call it like Shiva's iron says like beware of the quick quicksands of perfection. Yeah. Right. Like it's just so easy to want to be, you know, perfect. Like have a perfect score, a perfect bag, a perfect swing, and think that that's like the answer. And so like it's hard for me to be like, okay, I'm gonna go out and try to. I'm going to go out and try to shoot 500 today, but I'm still going to, you know, appreciate all these other things. It's just like, it just goes only to the, it was only the score and only to that thing mattering. And so it's like playing with fewer clubs, playing with older clubs is like that almost like a forced reminder, you know, to, you know, to me. So I think that, that like lets you get still try to like actually do your best because I think you need that. I think you can't go to like, Oh, I'm going to, and, and I honestly, you can't go to this, but I heard on, on that podcast I was listening to one of the guys. He was like, I, he's like, I don't even, I don't even keep score when I play golf. And I think like that's that's fine. And I've done like I've tried that before. But to me, it's like you don't, you're not like confronted with situations or yourself in the same way when you're not trying to keep a score or to you know to accomplish something. You just end up like walking, you know walking around too much and it can be a pleasant experience and maybe it's better than caring too much about the score but i think there's like this perfect middle ground where you're still trying to like to do your best but you also are like have all these other things you know with it yeah it's well said all right well Well, guys thanks for coming down this road um or maybe you should be thanking me for it. Thank you for yeah. this journey. Yeah, yeah. Exactly <laughs> it's right. Always, yeah. always a good journey. Yeah. All right. Cool guys. Thanks. Yeah, thanks we'll Andy. talk to you all next time. Before you get off the golf course today, you could have some moments that will change the course of your life.